Welcome to the Pearl of Great Price podcast. Thanks for joining us today. It's the 3rd of May. And on this day in Christian history, we're going back to be looking at the theme of the sign of the beast. And we go back to the year 1832 and we travel to New Hampshire in America. But today, Uriah Smith, the Seventh-day Adventist author and theologian, was born. And Smith is now remembered for his commentary on the prophetic biblical books of Daniel and the Revelation. His early life was deeply influenced by Baptist preacher William Miller. A prosperous farmer, a Baptist lay preacher living in northeastern New York, Miller spent years of intensive study on the symbolic meaning of the prophecies of Daniel, especially the so-called 2,300-day prophecy found in chapter 8 of the book. Unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. This clean cleansing of the sanctuary became an obsession for Miller and was the lens through which he developed his eschatological thinking. It was a time of upheaval in Protestantism in North America, often referred to as the Second Great Awakening. Miller predicted that Jesus Christ would return to earth by October the 22nd, 1844, in an event he called the Advent. A Millerite movement gathered adherents across denominational lines, especially from Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist and Campbellite churches. They were united by a belief in the imminent return of Jesus Christ, the Second Advent, and the movement grew in numbers and expectations And when it didn't come to pass, a period called the Great Disappointment began. In the confusion that followed, there was a splintering. And Miller said that in one week, he received 16 different newspapers advocating different views, all claiming to be Advent papers. They would splinter again and formed distinct denominations only after the Great Disappointment. And this was to be expected, as Miller's own rules of biblical interpretation outline a method of biblical study that encouraged each person to read the Bible and to, in quotes, do theology for themselves, a logical outcome of the Protestant Reformation. The doctrinal lines across the various Millerite groups began to solidify and the Adventists entered a period of what sociologists would call sect building. For a more in-depth look at this process and the thoughts of Ernst Trolsch, the German theologian, describing the difference between a church and a sect, see the podcast of April the 4th. One of these sects eventually became the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And they contended that what had happened on October the 22nd was not Jesus' return, as Miller had thought, but the start of Jesus' final work of atonement, the cleansing in the heavenly sanctuary, leading up to the second coming. In the atmosphere of the great disappointment, Uriah Smith had his left leg amputated due to an infection, went into a depression and lost interest temporarily in religion.
However, eight years later, he accepted the message taught by the Sabbatarian Adventists, who in 1863 became the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And he began working at the offices of the Advent Review and Sabbath Herald, now known as the Adventist Review. He became its longest-serving editor for over 50 years. Having a creative and inventive mind, in light of his own physical trauma, he patented an artificial leg with a movable ankle and designed a school desk with an improved folding seat. He was one of the most prolific authors of early Adventism. His best-known work is Thoughts on Daniel and Revelation, often abbreviated simply as Daniel and the Revelation. It has become the classic text on Adventist end-time beliefs or eschatology. What has particular power over the imagination was the description of the beast which is found in chapters in Revelation, chapters 13 and 17 to be specific. Chapter 13 gives the fullest description. Rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. This description drew many parallels with a vision in the book of Daniel, where four beasts, symbolising a succession of kingdoms, come out of the sea in the forms of a lion, bear, leopard and a beast with ten horns. The seven heads in the book of Revelation, the final book of scripture, represented both seven mountains and seven kings. And of the seven kings, five had fallen One is, and the other has not yet come. The beast itself is a final king, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. Those who dwell on the earth are deceived into making an image of the beast as a means to worship his authority. And those who are killed for not conforming to the authority of the beast are blessed through the first resurrection that allows them to rule in Christ's presence as priests during a 1,000-year reign. The beast bears a name that this name was not given, but it corresponds to the number 666 or 616. The mark of the beast's name or number was required of all who bought and sold, according to the book of Revelation. When IBM invented the first barcode in the 1970s and the scanners in which they used them, there were protests at grocery stores as an urban legend grew that the number 666 was hidden in each barcode. Uriah Smith's extensive writings and commentaries interpreted portions of the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel as being future events in a literal, physical, apocalyptic and global context. And this tendency has become deeply rooted in American evangelical churches. The unusual apocalyptic genre of the book of Revelation 
the author himself sees himself as a Christian prophet. And Revelation uses the word in more than any of the Gospels. It means that it was among the last books accepted into the Christian biblical canon. Current scholarship points out the similarity between the consistent destruction of thirds depicted in the book of Revelation, a third of mankind by plagues of fire, smoke and brimstone, a third of the trees and green grass, and a third of sea creatures, and a third of the ships at sea, etc. And a link to the Iranian mythology of the evil character of Zahak, or Dahag, in the earliest religious texts of Zoroastrianism. It might be useful for us to remember that Zoroastrianism was the state religion of the Roman Empire's main rival at the time the book was written, and therefore was part of the intellectual milieu in which Christianity came into being, as well as the ongoing persecution by the Roman Empire. To the present day, some churches that derive from the church in the East reject the book of Revelation. And it still remains the only New Testament book that is not read in the divine liturgy of the Eastern Orthodox Church, though Catholic and Protestant liturgies include it. Underlying its unique status and the need to proceed cautiously, unusually for Scripture, there is a lack of consensus among scholars about even the structure of the book of Revelation. The Council of Laodicea in 363 omitted it as a canonical book, although subsequent councils affirmed it, importantly including one of the councils of Carthage and later the defining Trent Council. The more established churches are very cautious in their use of apocalyptic language and thought. However, in an age of misinformation, the beast and the sign of the beast has become a popular theme of conspiracy theorists. Particularly, it seems, targeting Christians in America. Far-right populist politicians have even called potential digital vaccine passports Biden's mark of the beast. The English author D.H. Lawrence, in the final book he wrote, called Apocalypse, saw the language which was used in the book of Revelation as being bleak and destructive, what he called a death product. Instead, he wanted to champion a public-spirited individualism which he identified with the historical Jesus. However, he acknowledged the power to the imagination of Revelation. It's very nice if you are poor and not humble to bring your enemies down to utter destruction, while you yourself rise up to grandeur. And nowhere does this happen so splendiferously than in Revelation. The recent popularity of the rapture and the American Baptist author and preacher Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series may well attest to that. 
That's all from the Pearl of Great Price today. Join us tomorrow if you can as we look at the division of the new world between Spain and Portugal. As Pope Alexander VI divided the southern and the central part of America along a line of demarcation. I hope you've enjoyed listening. Please subscribe and leave a comment on the blog if you have time at www.pogp.net. And if you'd like to respond directly, then email the show on pogppod at gmail.com. pogppod at gmail.com. Have a lovely day wherever you are, and thanks for listening.